called The Podcast, only available on the GoLoud app. Another week, and this time the topic of debate is English. I think it's fair to say that English is a subject studied by majority of students across the country, and one that they probably always associate with having a really dead arm after writing reams and reams of pages and essays, and always doing it against the clock. Now, this year it's going to be a little bit different, obviously, because students have the option to sit that written exam and have that time test or perhaps opt for a series of accredited grades. We are going to chat to English teacher Alan Hogan all about it, how best you can ace your exams as a student or how best you can get on top of the marks and the scoring system from the safety of your own home and remote learning. There is lots of tips and tricks coming your way. Before we kick things off though, I do want to remind you if you want to listen back to any previous episodes, you can do that now. All you've got to do is search Spin Air Skull on the Go Loud app. Alan Hogan, you are an English teacher here in Limerick City. We're so delighted that you've taken the time to chat to us this morning. Thank you so much for joining Spin Air Skull. Thanks for having me on, Louise. It's a pleasure to talk to you. It's brilliant to have you, Alan. And I guess before we get into the nitty gritty of the English paper and everything that that entails, I've got to ask you your thoughts on returning to school on Monday, back to the classroom, back to your Leaving Cert students. How do you feel about it all? Absolutely. It's great to get back to uh, some modicum of normality. I know it's been quite a difficult few months for our Leaving Cert students, and not just this year, but throughout the fifth year of their Leaving Cert course. Um, I know from my own students, they've been working extremely hard. And the teachers are really looking forward to getting back and working with them in the classroom. Of course, online teaching has been working well. Students have been keeping up to date on their work and teachers have been trying to provide as much um, support to them as possible. But I think everybody involved is really enthusiastic to get back into the classroom and back to face to face learning. Absolutely. And I'm so glad to hear that because in the last 24 hours or even a little longer than that, I guess there has been this kind of backlash on social media with some teachers saying that, you know, it's too quick a turnaround time to set up classrooms. Maybe there's still that debate that is it really safe in terms of public health? But ultimately, do you think that the pros outweigh the cons in this one? Absolutely. And I can completely understand the reservations that certain teachers would have in relation to going back. I suppose from my own perspective, Having dealt with my students over the last number of years, my main priority at this moment in time is getting them the best possible score they can get in their leaving certificate. I understand that um, schools are putting in place the, the regulations necessary and they're making every possible effort to ensure that it's a safe place to go back to. And obviously, that's the reason why we're starting with leaving certs, prioritizing those students. And hopefully within a matter of months, we'll have a greater number of students back in a safe environment to learn. Yeah, hopefully that is the case, Alan. And I think very well said. You know, teachers and students alike have been campaigning for so long for clarity. They've been campaigning for a decision. All they want is a decision around grades and school and classes resuming. You have a decision now, and that is between a system of predictive grades and a written exam. So to me, I think the students have the best of both worlds. The decision is ultimately up to them. What's your thought on the format of the exams and having that choice as a student or as a teacher? Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that students have been campaigning for that clarity for quite some time. And it's and it's only fair and only right and only just that they actually get that option. They get that choice. That being said, the work still needs to be done. And and I know that my my students in particular have been working very hard all the way through fifth and sixth year. If the student is doing the work, they will receive the grade they are due. And that's the bottom line, really. I know certain students are currently trying to decide whether or not they'll go for the actual exam or, as you mentioned yourself in the introduction, uh, from the comfort of their own homes. It seems lovely in that sense. But I suppose they're going to have to still 
address the issues, address the topics, their poetry, their comparative studies, their single text, they will still need to show what they know. But if the work is done, it is a case of doing just that, showing what you know. And I think students should approach the exam or any work that's set to them by their teachers with that mindset. It, this is my opportunity to show exactly what I've learned over the last two years. I'm going to, you know, put my skills on show and I'm going to let the examiner or indeed my teacher know that I understand the questions being asked and I have the capabilities of answering them in detail. Yeah, brilliant. Great advice. And I guess that is, as you said, that's the fairest way about it. Look, everyone has to do some form of an exam. So you're, you're going to want to put the best foot forward or the best writing hand forward in that case, because I know, Absolutely. Alan, when I think of English, that is the that is the kind of memory that's etched in my mind. It is being in an exam and writing as fast as your pen can move in the hope that you will get as much down on that paper as you can. So on that note, I guess we're going to jump straight into paper one, because I know that paper one is... Um, it's two hours and 50 minutes if you sit the written paper. It is made up of the comprehension, which carries 100 marks, and that personal essay or short story or speech or debate. So tell me a little bit about paper one and what you think as an English teacher it takes to ace that paper. I'm going to start, if you wouldn't mind, Louise, with the very beginning of paper one. So the comprehension section. There are two sections, comprehension and composition. You know, certain students might look at this and think, okay, it's reading and then it's writing. No, the, the ability to comprehend is what's being tested in the first section of the paper. So question A um, from one of your three texts will be in total 50 marks. It's broken into shorter questions and they need to be answered at the same length. So for what I'm basically saying is question A, they need to just show that they understand the information that's being portrayed in their text. My advice to a student would be if there's a question worth 15 marks, break it down into three paragraphs, each worth five marks. If they can make a valid point, back it up with a quote and elaborate a little further without any grammatical errors, they should achieve four to five of those five marks. Do that three times and the student has one of their 15 mark questions for question A done. They do the same then for the second aspect of question A and the third, which is usually worth 20 marks. Now, what needs to be on show here is the student's understanding of the five language genres. Now, some students, this... For some students, this might seem to be a new idea. Basically, you can break it down into the acronym PANIA, P-A-N-I-A, the language genres of the language of persuasion, the language of argument, the language of narration, the language of information, and the language of aesthetics. Now, there are resources online for those students to get into, you know, to bulk up their knowledge of those language genres. But every piece of reading and every piece of writing that we will take in our English Leaving Cert Paper 1 will fall underneath one or two of those genres. For example, the speech in the composition needs to be composed using the language of persuasion and the language of argument. Students will identify those in their texts as part of the comprehension section. And they should be able to identify uh, techniques such as rhetorical questions, bold statements, the use of adjectives. They are used in the language of persuasion. The language of argument then is much more logical. We're all familiar with the language of narration in short storytelling. The language of information is much more focused on just getting bare facts across. And the language of aestheticism is describing beauty or the lack thereof. So to bring it right back to that first question, question A in paper one, all the students need to do here is show that they understand the theme, which is linked throughout the text. That's all they need to do. I would advise not spending too long on that first part. I would say 40 minutes 
should have the students through question A. Then question B, on, still in the comprehension section, moves slightly further towards that uh, long composition question. You need to spend about 40 minutes on question B again. I would actually select my question B first because it allows you then the other two texts to do question A. Spend 40 minutes on question B. It should be a shortened version of a composition, so more or less two pages. I know I'm getting into the nitty gritty here of timings, but I feel that students actually benefit from taking a systematic approach to the paper rather than getting bogged down in the themes or the subject matter of what's involved in their texts. Now, once you have the first section of paper one dealt with, you can move on to your composition. That's the most time consuming aspect, obviously, of the exam. So it serves the students well to have time left over. If they have moved through question A in section one quickly, that's fine. Move on, do the second section, and then leave as much time as possible for your composition. So there are 100 marks on offer for composition, about 80 minutes. It's really important to understand that 100 marks of your overall English Leaving Cert exam are going on this one question. It's a quarter of your overall marks. So the, you know, the essay needs to be of a high standard. I've um, taken the liberty of looking back over the last five or six years of the actual exam, and there are certain compositions which come up every year. The speech in particular is a massive one. It really um, provides the students with a structure that they can write under. And I find that students who don't, you know, have a passion for writing or a passion for English can do quite well using this um, composition. So the speech and the descriptive essay come up quite commonly and also the short story. I would err on the side of caution with the short story because sometimes students can tend to uh, you know, go off on a tangent and the examiner will look on this quite harshly. What I would suggest for students in the composition is to outline a set of success criteria for each of their composition types. There will be seven options in the exam. The students will automatically look for their favorite. So they might look for a speech or they might look for the short story or the personal essay. I would advise that students prepare at least three styles of composition. I'm not saying that they should learn a composition off by heart because the subject matter will differ year on year. For example, if I had a student that I felt would benefit from writing a speech, I would ask that student to prepare a set of success criteria. That means that they should create this list, this checklist at the beginning of their exam. So in my speech, I need to introduce myself. I need to acknowledge the audience. I need to set out the issue being dealt with. Those are three of the initial success criteria that the student can create. It takes about 30 seconds in the exam. If I were the student, I would jot that down at the top of the page alongside a mind map, which would be more focused on the actual subject matter, what the question is asking them. As they go through the uh, composition, then they can check off that list to make sure that they are addressing everything that the examiner is looking for. There are resources online whereby students can access the success criteria. But in my opinion, and this is a general rule across all of the English, the teacher is the best resource for the student. Get in contact with your teacher in class. Ask them, what should I be including in my speech? What should I be including in my short story? And use the teacher as a resource and they will be able to guide them through that. I suppose overall my tips for paper one, Louise, would be that timing is essential. Know how much time to spend on each question as every second counts. Understand what is being assessed here. It's your comprehension and your composition skills. How well have you comprehended the theme of the paper and how well have you been able to compose your own answers? Learn to identify and use the five language genres, persuasion, argument, narrative, information and aestheticism. And I suppose above all, really use this opportunity to show your vocabulary in the composition section.
Really well said. So much detail there, Alan, and I think that students will really appreciate you going into that detail and in-depth almost analysis of how they can come around and strategically plan acing their exam. I know we're going to get caught on time speaking about paper two, so I do want to move on. But quickly before we do, I want to ask that question Hmm. about... uh, we see this all the time with the Leaving Cert. It's actually something I think that's quite archaic about it, that it follows trends. And a lot of the time, topics repeat themselves. Mm-hmm. We notice they come up, you're in, you're out. And this is probably something else we can chat about when it comes to poetry. Is there any particular topic or essay title, or as you mentioned, speech title, that you think is almost a dead cert or a guarantee this year? I suppose I couldn't actually pin down one dead cert or guarantee for you, Louise. And that's why I tend to promote this idea of coming up with a structure for your essay. And that's how you will build your grade. Students are inundated with information about isolation and pandemics and coronavirus this year. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a guarantee to come up. However, papers in the past have tended to reflect society and what is going on within society at the time. So students would be wise to take note of information, and especially if they're writing a speech, because in your speech, and I know I'm getting bogged down in paper one here, but in your speech, you're allowed to include information which will back up your arguments. That doesn't necessarily have to be factual. It just has to sound factual. So if students are taking note of what's going on in the world around them, i.e. the pandemic, political developments, etc., that could stand them in good stead when they're in the exam itself. Yeah, no doubt. And a little later on the show, we will be joined by a horror author and multi-million novel selling author, I should say, Darren Shannon. I'm sure that he'd have some great tips really on um, writing a horror story about a pandemic. So maybe some inspiration for students in the short story on that one. Let's very quickly move to paper two because we are tight on time. And look, again, paper two sees all of your studied work, the poetry, your comparative studies. Is there trends Mm -hmm. that students can look forward to this year? Alan, are you expecting any particular poets to come up? Any particular questions to be asked on their Shakespeare section, whatever it might be? I guess we'll just start with the study text first. That's that Shakespeare question. What are you expecting? Yes, that single text. Well, it tends to follow similar trends all the way through. What I would suggest my students to prepare are just there are a couple of little headings that I would suggest students create cue cards on. It's impossible to predict exactly what way the questions will be worded. However, if students in advance of the exam, starting now, start to create some cue cards on characters, their relationships with one another, the the key themes of the single text, the language at use, the imagery, and above all, the dramatic scenes. My advice to my students would be not to be too dependent on trends, but to make sure that they have that core information learned because a knowledge of the plot is not sufficient at higher level. They need to be able to analyze and comment on what happens. So if a student simply retells the story of the play, it won't be enough. My advice to students is to make sure their knowledge of the play is strong, but to develop a personal reflection upon the key themes. For example, I was working on this with a student last night. Is King Lear more sinned against than sinned? Compile a list of pros and cons of King Lear as a character and be able to put your spin on it. Be able to analyze it subjectively. In terms of the comparative study, we do know that all three modes of comparison are going to be available to the students now. The theme or issue, cultural context, or the general vision and viewpoint. That is pretty much, unfortunately, as much leeway as we are going to be given in relation to the exam. We know now that rather than two of the modes coming up, three will come up. I suppose this is the most heavily weighted section of the paper with 70 marks, and it should be approached differently to the single text. You don't need to know your text in as much detail as the single text, but what the examiner is looking for is a sustained comparison throughout your exam. Throughout your essay, you need to be able to compare those three texts. You need to be able to draw on what's similar and you need to be able to draw upon what's different. 
Then moving on to the study poetry, here's another example of where we're given more choice. Okay, uh, there are eight poets on the course. Students are typically expected to study five and generally four tend to come up. However, this year five will come up. So I would not suggest that students focus on one poet in particular, although Ivan Boland and Paul Durkin are two in particular that I'm focusing on with my students. What I would suggest to the to the students listening to remember the PCLM. These are the categories under which, underneath which the examiners are going to grade their essays. Your clarity of purpose is essential. You need to answer the questions asked. And how the student will go about that is to highlight and underline the key words within the question. There are two coded key words or phrases within the question. If a student can highlight or underline these on their paper and show a sustained engagement with those two coded aspects throughout their essay, they will score highly in their clarity of purpose. And that's essential because the rest of their grade depends heavily upon it. Their cohesiveness is how well they link their arguments together. Their language, their ability to express themselves and the mechanics of their writing will be judged. But for me, it's essential that the students deal with the uh, clarity of purpose and the question being asked. I suppose Louise, in my overall tips for paper two would be just that highlight and underline the key coded aspects of each question revise quotes but remember that they are a tool to be used to back up each valid point that you make throughout your essays perfect your poetry essay structure alongside your revision of the actual poets students tend to neglect their um, poetry essay structure and uh, topic sentence sequence is crucial to this um, just if I have 30 seconds I'll go into that in a little bit more detail they need to start each paragraph with a broad question based statement get into a little bit more detail in their second sentence and then introduce their content. So naming their poem and using quotes to back up what they're saying, then they can continue with their paragraph. The examiner will be looking for that structure in each paragraph throughout their uh, poetry essay. My last piece of advice then in relation to paper two is that timing is again essential. Okay, leave uh, the unseen poetry question until last because this carries the fewest marks within the section. And I suppose in general, Louise, there's still plenty of time for our students. Now is the time to start making up those cue cards. Now is the time to get in contact with your teacher. Break the course down into manageable chunks. Start with what you feel weakest on. For example, Shakespearean quotes are always a, a bone of contention for students. Try to get a, a solid knowledge of those now so that closer to the exam, you're just fine-tuning your ability to write rather than panicking. Write, write, write. Perfect your essay writing style to eliminate bad habits. Time yourself with homework and essays. This uh, replicates exam scenarios. Get cue cards ready on different topics. But also, Louise, I suppose it's important to say that these students need to take a break when they need one. Listen to yourself. If you need to take a break, get out and have a walk and use resources like this. This podcast, when the student is out for a walk for 20 minutes, it's still a break for the student, but they're doing something useful and they're getting themselves ready for what will be the most difficult exam of their lives. But I guarantee that this year's cohort of students, once they get through this exam, College will not be able to throw anything at them. Professional life will not be able to throw anything at them that they will not be able to deal with because they've shown great resilience over the past two years and I have the utmost faith in them being successful. Brilliant. So well said, Alan. Thank you so much for all of those incredible little nuggets of information and tips and tricks. And I know that students will be so, so grateful as well that, uh, you know, you've taken the time to break it down in that much detail. So thank you so much for taking part in Spin Air Skull. We will catch up with some more subject specialists later on in the show. And of course, as I mentioned, we will talk about carving a career for yourself with English as a degree subject in third level. We chat to author Darren Shan about his experience as a writer and novelist and a multi-award winning fiction author. All of that and so much more on the way shortly on Spin Air Skull. Spin Air Skull, the podcast.